You're listening to Bajar, a podcast celebrating creators and innovators at different stages of their entrepreneurial journey. These people started their journey on the very streets that we're on. Why don't you come take a look? Hey guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of Vichar. Unfortunately, uh, my co-host Nub uh, will not be able to join us today. It seems that he's a bit under the weather, but he'll definitely be back with us for the next episode. Today, we're joined by Khan Rataria. Uh, he is based in Mumbai, but currently studies at Sheffield Hallam University, studying sports business management. Uh, he's also the founder of Beanstalk, which is an experiential travel company that specializes in travel for live sporting events, concerts, adventure sports, and experiences such as the Northern Lights and Oktoberfest. Thank you for, for joining us today, Karn. Uh, I know we've spoken on the phone a couple of times, but uh, it's nice to finally have you here, and uh, uh, I'm excited to, to, to talk to you today. Hey, Shishan. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on Vichar. Um, yeah, it's been a fun couple of conversations that we've had so far. I'm looking forward uh, to just getting into this discussion today. For sure. And uh, how's everything going on your end? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're in Mumbai right now? Yeah, I'm in uh, Mumbai right now. I luckily got out of Sheffield just like two days before the airport shut here. Uh, so spent lockdown here. Uh, obviously, there's a lot uh, that's, you know, happened or rather not happened this while. But I guess everything is, uh, is good. Health has been good for me and the family. And I think that's primary right now uh, with everything going on. So as long as the health is good, I think I can't complain. No, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's always good to have a good support system. Uh, and I'm glad you're doing well, man. So uh, again, thank you for being here. And, uh, you know, I, I gave a brief uh, introduction on you, but, uh, you know, for our listeners, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your, you know, early education and uh, early career and, and some of the things that helped springboard your decision to start uh, Beanstalk? Uh, so my education of and Beanstalk, honestly, probably don't have too much of a connect uh, in terms of what I studied. I studied BCom uh, at college, but what it did enable me is because it wasn't a very intense degree as such, it afforded me a lot of free time in college. Uh, I was at Sydney College of Commerce. Uh, it afforded me a lot of free time to take up other events and other activities. Uh, so I started volunteering with a lot uh, of college events, uh, and I was sort of on the board for the college event. I I was a chair eventually for three or four of the committees and stuff like that. So I kept very active in the event space. Uh, I also then started interning uh, outside. So I started while I was still in college. I was part of uh, Coke Studio Season 1 uh, in India. I was part of that uh, production team uh, and the logistics and everything. So while my education itself didn't necessarily link directly to uh, you know, what I'm doing now, it's the extracurricular that I did around it that, that really helped shape it. Right. And, and what exactly was the, the key motivator, the key catalyst that brought you into the experiential travel space or, or just the travel space in general? Uh, so my parents have been travel agents now for 20 plus years. Uh, you know, so that's always been sort of a professional field that I have some, uh, you know, know-how of, uh, just seeing them. And I've obviously been to office a few times, done some work a couple of months here and there. So something that I've known, I've also done logistics uh, for a lot of the companies that I've worked with. So I've done logistics when I was in Mumbai City FC, the football club here in Mumbai. Uh, 
part of my job was to manage their logistics. So I've done stuff with them. Uh, even before that, I've done a lot of logistics work. So that's been an interest. Um, anyway, plus the whole experiential part of it. Me as a traveler myself, I don't like to limit my travel to just being, you know, see the main sites and that's it. I always try to add something more, uh, you know, just like every traveler does nowadays. Uh, if we want to do the bungee jumping here, the skydiving there, I want to watch uh, Man United play live, you know. Uh, and that market is obviously growing a lot. So it just seemed like, you know, something that I have an interest in, I have a background in, uh, and there was an opportunity for in the market. So it all just sort of seemed to uh, gel together well. And and you mentioned that, you know, in, in some of our earlier conversations that you worked with Red Chilies and uh, you even had like a short stint at 70 EMG. Was it tough, you know, leaving these companies? Because these are established, growing uh, companies, you know, and, and w- was that a tough decision for you to really venture out and start something of your own? It, uh, I'm going to say yes and no. Obviously, it's tough to sort of leave, you know, something in between of Red Chilies and 70 EMG outside Submerge, uh, you know, uh, who, who are the leading uh, dance music company in India. So with them, I worked on some of the best projects. I worked with Armin van Buren's store over here, Swedish House Mafia store in India, uh, Tiesto, you, you name them, right? Uh, so being in such fields, you know, which anyone would love to be a part of it, especially as me in early 20s, uh, working with these names, uh, you know, being able to connect my name with these projects, it was great. Uh, leaving them was tough, of course, but I... You know, for me, it was always about personal growth, uh, you know, so I never really left anyone uh, on a bad note. It was always an understanding of, you know, okay, we understand why you're going ahead. So uh, I'm a very hungry individual. I I just want to keep growing. I just want to keep working. Uh, So for me, it was about that personal growth and I'd see the opportunity and I'd jump. Uh, The most difficult one uh, for me to start Beanstalk was I was working at Mumbai City FC. Yeah. And a sports fanatic like me, uh, growing up, a dream job was to work with a football club, right? And to work with one of India's biggest football clubs. And to leave that, uh, to start something of your own. Uh, that was, uh, you know, the toughest one, I would say, maybe. Uh, but in the end, I said, there's no looking back. I have, I have no, uh, you know, uh, questions about those decisions at all. So when, did, when exactly did Beanstalk, you know, originate? Uh, was it at Sheffield Hallam or... Or was it right before you joined? No, so Beanstalk's been around for more than three years now. Uh, so this is uh, this. So this has been way before Sheffield Alum. Uh, it was around the time I was still at Mumbai City. In fact, I actually came up with the idea for Beanstalk a couple of years before that as well. And when I'd left Submerge, it was actually to start Beanstalk back then, which is probably five, six years ago uh, from now. Uh, but at that point, I realized that I still don't have the network that I need uh, to be able to source the kind of things that I wanted to properly, uh, even in terms of, you know, just the experience that I'd ideally want uh, before starting my whole thing, my, uh, just everything around it. Uh, I'm not saying that that's necessarily what made a big difference, but at that point, it seemed that I needed to get back into the industry, do some more work and then come back to this. And so that's what I did. I went back in. And then after three years, I was like, you know what? I'm ready now. Uh, and that was when I was at Mumbai City FC. And I left and started Beanstalk. And it's been two, two and a half years of Beanstalk uh, when I went into Sheffield Hallam. Uh, and I actually still ran Beanstalk while I was studying from there as well. So Beanstalk, in essence, is experiential travel that focuses 
on sports related experiential travel right yeah so when i started uh, especially it was a, it just so happened that sports has become the primary one uh, but i like to work on on everything so you know i have tie ups with uh, the bungee jump you know uh, bungee jumping providers across across the across the globe skydiving associations uh, you know Oktoberfest reservations. So I work with every single one. It just so happens that the demand and my network uh, sort of forays into sport more. So that sort of picked up more. And it's just something I enjoy as well more. So I think there is some slight bias there, if I can say that. But right. yeah, right now we are uh, more geared towards sports, but we do do a lot of other experiences as well. Right, and and do you think that motivated your decision to study sports business management currently? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, uh, you know, there was a couple of things motivating me towards that, but this was definitely one of them. You know, uh, I also wanted to study in an international environment. I have some. I'm someone who's been in Bombay more or less all my life. I moved to Bombay when I was five, and how things are here, you know, uh, it's normal that we live with parents throughout our life and stuff like that. So. It was just one of those things where I wanted to, uh, you know, be by myself, uh, sort of that helped, that's helped me sort of push my boundaries a bit more, open up a bit more, interact with uh, new people, new environments as well. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go there. And of course, the sport business management angle comes into Beanstalk as well and sort of helps me look at the industry uh, from a new perspective and therefore helps growth. Going back to, you know, building your network, Given that your parents uh, already had a footing in the industry with the travel agency that they have, was it easier for you to build those connections through that and and acquire skills and and networks within the industry? I'm going to say yes and no. Uh, so where it does help is, uh, you know, if I basically need to contact someone at a hotel, you know, a sales manager, uh, I can get the number directly for him rather than go through the motions. But in the end. Uh, it doesn't make that much of a difference, honestly, because uh, it comes down to your work. And especially in my business, uh, what helps uh, the network that I needed to create uh, was more about how to source these tickets or these experiences. Whereas my parents are purely corporate travelers, right? Um, so those contact differences are obviously there. Uh, so while they did help me, uh, the core of my business uh, or the core of my network which is something that I had to build all on my all on my own. What kind of skills do you think you acquired from from some of your previous experiences? You know, going back to your experiences at Submerge and working at uh, Red Chili's. What were some of the soft skills or or some of the hard skills that you acquired from those experiences that have helped you start Beanstalk? I think one of the main things that I've learned is that you know uh, you can push yourself how much ever and you won't break. Uh, you know, all these companies, whether it was my time at Red Chili's or whether it's 70MG or Submerge or, uh, you know, Mumbai City, we've worked uh, days and nights on end on, you know, some briefs, which are just never ending. We service clients that have been, you know, at times very difficult. Uh, and it's been, you know, at moments it's been tough. I've had times where, you know, I've sort of done a seven day week of shoot till 7am, uh, just taking a train back home to shower and then gone back and function like that for a full week on proper shoot. And that sort of made me realize that, you know, I can't push myself more. 
uh, and you don't have to just limit yourself to something. And this really helped with Beanstalk, you know, where I'm like, okay, you know what? I've I've probably done a lot. I I don't need to put in more, but uh, you know, I could call it a day and I could be happy. But then I, I look back on it and I'm like, you know what? You do have that little more to do, and you can do it. So just push. So I think that's one of the things that sort of helped. And obviously, there's a lot of other soft skills as well, uh, right? So just building interpersonal skills, dealing with you know uh, the big clients and the big artists. It sort of uh, gives you that sort of client servicing element to it. Gives you that service industry polish to it. That's that's very needed. In terms of in terms of Beanstalk being part of the experiential travel landscape in India, how do you think the industry itself within India is changing in terms of consumer demand? And what are the things that Beanstalk is doing and 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 the things you're doing to capitalize on that growth? Yeah, the Indian consumer is definitely traveling a lot more and. I don't mean post-COVID times. Obviously, there's a big asterisk on everything right now. Uh, but just looking at the trends before that, uh, you know, it wasn't just about people wanting to travel more. People wanted to do more experiences. Uh, you could also lay it down a lot of it to social media, right? Uh, you're seeing people putting up skydiving videos and skydiving pictures on social media. And a lot of people probably just want to do it for that picture. Uh, you know, uh, even though that, Probably that video or whatever comes at an extra cost. No one says no to that. Everyone wants that done. Uh, so I think all of that, you know, just sort of seeing other people do it, having that sort of more expendable income come in. Uh, people are wanting to do a lot more experiences doing their travels. And I think it's also a big mindset change in terms of our generation and the generation that's coming in next. Uh, you see the 20-year-olds and the early 30-year-olds now. They're not that big into saving towards a retirement fund like, uh, you know, earlier generations would look at. Uh, now, I think it's, uh, you see a lot more people sort of saving up for a year and then using that uh, to spend on themselves uh, and spending on themselves to do these travel experiences. Uh, and we're also seeing, you know, they're not afraid to try something different. Uh, they'll be happy to spend, you know, extra money on going and to go and watch a game while staying at a hostel. You know, they're happy to do that different experience of staying in a hostel, meeting other people there. So, I think the Indian traveler currently is a lot more broad-minded or a lot more open-minded than it was earlier. Uh, and I think that's that's a huge trend difference that's coming up with experiential travel. And keeping that in mind, uh, you know, what Beanstalk is doing is we obviously have, you know, our individual experiences that we're offering. We sort of try to see what's the best thing out there. So if, suppose someone tells me, you know, hey, man, I'm just going to Spain uh, for a couple of weeks. What can I do? Uh, it's not even necessary that I plan the entire itinerary for them, but I sort of just pick out two or three special events that might be happening. I'm like, oh, hey, you know what? Real Madrid are playing on this day if you want to watch. Uh, there's the Lato Martina that's happening uh, if you want to go for that. Uh, there's the Bull Run that's happening if you want to do that. Oh, why don't you swing by this excellent skydiving facility that's happening here? So uh, that's the sort of thing that Beanstalk sort of uh, pulls in and capitalizes on this. Uh, the other side of this is we're doing lots of groups around just experiences. Uh, and to sort of, you know, this is this is something that I love doing the most. So I might sort of, you know, take a few extra minutes on this. Uh, but we actually done a few events. Uh, and the first, one of the first ones was we did a surf trip within India. And if anyone thinks they're like, they're surfing in India, what are you even talking about? Uh, right. But I actually had been surfing in Pondicherry. I think a year before Beanstalk even happened. 
Uh, and as soon as Beanstalk happened, like, you know what, not, not enough people know about this and let's make a whole trip out of it. So I actually designed a weekend, uh, took a group of 10, 15 people to Pondicherry. We did surfing, we saw the sites, uh, did the whole Auroville experience and sort of just built a nightmare around that. Um, that has now gone on from, you know, we do a couple surf experiences a year, Pondicherry, Manipal and stuff like that. And then we've also now done adventure sports experience in Indonesia where we did a full week with a group of 15 people, uh, you know, all enthusiastic uh, individuals ranging from the age of 20 to 34, uh, individual solo travelers as well. Another big, you know, a trend that we're seeing a lot of people are happy to do solo travels now. So a lot of solo travelers who join in on this, uh, not necessarily with a group of friends. Uh, every day we did an adventure sport. So we uh, hiked a volcano, we went surfing, we went whitewater rafting, uh, you know, just uh, we went snorkeling, all sort of things like that. Uh, so, you know, that's just sort of experiences that we're adding. And the two uh, ones that, you know, I love the most, which is the sports and the music uh, with the United Supporters Club of Mumbai. Uh, we actually do a trip every year to Old Trafford. Uh, we're about 18 to 20 of us uh, go there to watch a game over the weekend. So it's typically a Friday, Saturday, Sunday that we go for. Uh, and we watch a game, uh, we do the stadium tour, uh, we stay together, we drink together, we do everything. And the main part is I actually know a day before the game where the players are sort of going to come in, park their cars, do stuff like that. So we've actually met the coaches and the players every single year. So the uh, so, our, so you know I guess I've actually met the likes of Yuan Mata, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, you name it, Ander Herrera, Paul Pogba even. Uh, uh, Lukaku, I mean, there's just so many. Uh, so we actually add these experiences for everyone. And, you know, it's just so much fun doing these. Uh, another one that I do in the music frame is with Submerge and with Nikhil, where we sort of co-curated this uh, experience where, you know, we took a group for Above and Beyond's group therapy, which is their flagship uh, annual uh, annual showcase. Uh, so we, the first one we did was in Hong Kong. And the whole thing of this was because Nikhil is one of the pioneers of dance music in India uh, and because he's, you know, has good relations with these music companies everywhere. Uh, the people on the trip actually got to experience a music festival with Nikhil Chinappa, right? Uh, they actually got to see how the back end of things work. We did like tours of backstage, got to meet artists, uh, got present in like exclusive after parties and all of that, uh, right? And all of this, the best part is it's like, really really affordable rates uh so for example this year we did united versus city right before lockdown uh you know that game a mctominay scored uh that yeah. was a group one that we did this year so phenomenal game phenomenal experience and for a three night stay uh meeting the players obviously that's not a guarantee but a three night stay uh at a good hotel uh the match tickets the stadium tour everything combined was less than twenty five thousand. Whereas if you go for the match ticket just for United versus City in the market, it'll cost you about three hundred pounds, which is more than the entire weekend combined. So, so when you say twenty five thousand, it's twenty five thousand rupees. Yeah, twenty five thousand rupees. Yes, so twenty five thousand yeah. rupees gets all of that covered. And the best part is you actually have most of the people come in are just individuals, right? Uh, you know, how many times would have happened with you and me? A few years ago, we'd keep telling our friends, dude, this year we have to go to Old Trafford, or this year we have to go to Wembley. But just I somehow it never happens. Right? No, you, I, you and, and 
the thing is, I, I know we've spoken about this briefly before as well, but I'm a huge United fan. Yeah. Um, and I went for my first United game a couple of, not even a couple of years ago, last summer, actually. Uh, it was the United Chelsea game uh, where we won 4-0. And yeah. uh, I remember I'd, I, I've been trying to go to a United game for years now. And uh, it just happened to work out. But having a service like this, uh, you know, where you can really approach someone and then and they can plan an end-to-end trip for you, I think that's that's great, you know. And I, I think there's definitely a huge demand for that, especially amongst sports fanatics and you know people of of my age, really. And 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 that brings me to my next question, which is that: Do you have a particular target market? Because when you're focusing on sports and when you're focusing on music and music festivals. I'm sure you're appealing more to a younger audience. So when you advertise your product, do you utilize a, a certain strategy to, to better, you know, reach to reach out to a certain audience? Yeah, it's definitely a younger audience. Um, you know, uh, this sort of appeals to them, right? Adventure sport, sport, music concerts. Um, uh, it's so my marketing mainly has been sort of it's sort of twofold. One is uh, just social media, right? So it's that sort of messaging on social media, that sort of, you know, uh, art, if you'd like, just that sort of creatives messaging. So social media is one of it. Uh, but it's also recognizing the right partners. Uh, so, for example, when I'm saying uh, the trips to Old Trafford, I'm partnering with the Manchester Supporters Club of Mumbai, you know, who have this target audience, you know, who work with these guys, who, who are people who are this age, keen to travel, go to pubs, uh, you know, watch games every week. You know, that sort of audience sort of comes in with the style. Uh, similarly, when I'm doing, uh, say, say the group travel with Submerge, uh, Submerge, uh, you know, obviously has a connect with this exact demographic, even Nikhil, uh, for example, you know. So that sort of, you know, it's about your collaborations. So my targeting has been through collaborations and through my social media messaging is sort of looked at this uh, focus for sure. So let's say a consumer comes to you and, and from the point he comes to you and says, hey, I want to go to Manchester for a United game uh, between the 10th of August and the 20th of August. What is your planning process? You know, and that's something that's always kind of intrigued me when I approach you know, travel agencies is that how, how do you plan that trip end to end? What is the process? So one of the great things that works for me is that most of what I would recommend, I would have either experienced myself first. I would have tried to experience myself firsthand. Uh, luckily, I've been well-traveled, you know, so I know that. So what I'll sort of do is I'll try and get their interests, uh, see if there's anything specific. So in case, case if their main thing is just do a match, uh, you know, I'll see, obviously, go through the calendars first, see what day the match is. Uh, and then I'll work it back from there. And I'll actually go through my various contacts and see the different price points and the different ticketing options that are available. And actually, one of the things that I think uh, you know, that I love about the essence that we've created in Beanstalk is that we're honest to the customer. You know, so I'll actually tell him that, you know what, these are the price points that are available, uh, but it's not necessary that I will push a certain price point just because I'd have better margins in it. I will see what that person wants, who they're with. So for example, if they're with family uh, who are not that into the game, but they're sort of just giving him company, I'd recommend the family stand. But if it's supposed, you know, to friends going i'd recommend the stratford end or, or you know the end where the fans are boisterous so, mm-hmm. so that's a big yeah. part of my planning process as well you know to see what can make it most effective for them uh regardless of what affects my uh, margins uh, for example 
and obviously around it as well, you know, then if, you know, they tell me, hey, we have seven days, I tell them, you know what, Manchester, three days is probably good enough for you. You're in the stadium tour one day, you see the match one day, but why don't you drive down here? There's this great experience, you know, if you're a family, go down to Lake District. If you're with friends, go down to Newcastle, maybe, uh, you know, or go up to Edinburgh for a couple of days. Uh, so that's the sort of process, you know, I'd like to see how I can make the trip most worthwhile for them and make it their best experience. Because uh, for me, uh, you know, a lot of travel agents just look at it as a business transaction. Uh, but for me, I look at it as this is someone who's probably, you know, this is a dream come true, right? I know what it felt like to me when I went to Old Trafford the first time. It was a dream come true. And every time I go back, it is a big thing for me. So I try and account for that, you know, it's not a business transaction for me. It's for me, it's making someone's uh, dream come true. Uh, you know, it's making someone's highlight of their year probably, right? So that's the sort of care I take into it while looking at designing a package or a week or whatever. As a sole business model in terms of financial feasibility, how do you increase your margins and reduce the cost of a consumer for that, for that particular trip at the same time? Of course. So working on margins is down to basically your networking. Uh, you know, you create a good enough network, create a good enough rapport with your suppliers. And that's when your margin comes in. Uh, you know, there's, uh, while someone else might be using a different supplier and in this game or in this field rather, there's lots of options for that. There's multiple suppliers offering that sort of thing. Uh, it all comes down uh, to having a good supplier network to working those relations, whether it's with, you know, a match ticket supplier, hotel supplier, sort of trying to work those relationships. A lot of places, there's no wiggle room. Uh, for example, if suppose it's, it's a skydiving experience, right? A lot of people work on fixed margins, uh, which actually, you know, I quite like because when it's suppose a skydiving experience in Spain, it's not like there's 10 people offering that or say, you know, in this particular city, there'll be one person doing it. Uh, so there's a fixed cost, there's a fixed margin they give to agents. And I prefer working that way. You know, it's better for the consumer as well uh, because, you know, it's just an easier decision-making process. There's no differences in what two people can offer. Uh, but when it comes to other things, it, it works purely on your on your networking and how you can sort of work your supplier to give you that extra wiggle room uh, that you can get out. What are some effective networking tips you would give? For, for you, for example, it's it's affiliating yourself with local tour guides, local tour agencies. But you know, for other people who just want to be able to effectively network, what are some of the successful things you've done and, and what would you recommend? I think the main one in networking is to realize I had this problem earlier, you know. I would always be like, hey, you know what, I feel awkward approaching this person because I'm feeling selfish about it, you know. I'm approaching this person for my gain, uh, right? We have that when, 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 you know, when we're at itself, suppose a networking event and we're approaching someone or asking someone for something. We always have that niggle in our head, you know, that uh, I feel a bit awkward or at least people who find networking difficult have that problem uh, generally. So my thing in this is to look at, it's always two ways, right? If you're working with someone, you're giving them business as well. Or even if you just, you know, if it if it's something that does not benefit them, they won't pursue it. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that's just how business is. It is pretty brutal out there. Uh, there obviously are people who will be happy to help you every now and then. And when they're happy to help you, there's no problem approaching them anyway, right? Uh, but most of the networking that you'll get done is two ways. Uh, so if, suppose I'm working with a supplier. 
uh, and I'm networking, or, you know, I'm approaching someone new to sort of give me product, uh, he's getting the sales from me as well, right? Uh, if I'm approaching an ex-boss, for example, uh, to ask them, hey, can you make this connect for me? Uh, the connect that he's making, he's sort of getting a favor from there as well. You know, it's all, it's all intertwined, uh, you know, and it's all reciprocatory at the end of the day. So I think the, my main thing, uh, basically, to take away from this is whenever you're networking, don't think that you're approaching someone's space or, or you know, uh, you're being selfish in this. If it's selfish, uh, and if that person thinks so, they won't pursue it anyway. Uh, no harm done. Uh, but more often than not, uh, you know, they'll be happy to indulge. And if there's business to be done, it's business to be done for both people. Have you ever had an issue establishing your credibility, not just amongst uh, tour guides that you might reach out to, but amongst consumers as well? You know, you're, you're obviously uh, relatively at least a newer player on the block. How do you see yourself competing with some of the existing experiential travel companies and, and how do you set yourself apart? I think the main thing for me is customer service. Uh, in the end, that is the best tool. And I'm not saying that in terms of the whole customer is king sort of angle that obviously is there. That's been driven, driven and driven and driven. But what I mean is word of mouth. There's no better publicity or there's no better endorsement for your brand than word of mouth. Uh, so when you provide someone with a good service, uh, you know, they go on and tell five friends and that goes on and that builds your credibility as well, right? Uh, I've had so many times just because the service I've offered, uh, customers, you know, will be put, uploading pictures and they, you know, even without me mentioning, they'll tag my uh, product or they tag my company saying, thank you so much, guys. The service was amazing and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that really helps, uh, you know, just adding a customer service uh, is what is key to me, uh, you know, and I'm going to take it back to what I mentioned earlier. For me, that customer service is driven from the fact that I want to make every experience, uh, you know, special uh, for the client. You know, that's how I approach it. I don't approach it as a business transaction. It's looking at this being their only getaway of the year. So when you sort of put that effort into it, it shows, and that does translate then into a good customer service or and then good word of mouth and then good credibility. Uh, I've had times where I've had customers approach me for a match ticket. I had someone yeah. who was looking for, I think it was uh, Bayern versus PSG uh, in Paris. Uh, you know, and they asked me for a match ticket. And through my sources, I was getting something you know, pretty high. I think somewhere close to 400 euros. Uh, which, I mean, for Bayern versus PSG on that day was not that bad, mind you, for the tickets. But yeah, <laughs> uh, what I did tell him though was, you know what, I do know that if you go to the game, uh, and you know you'll find a couple of touts, and if you can sort of find one that you can trust, uh, you'll get a better deal. If price point is that big an issue for you, just do that, and you get tickets cheaper. I have nothing to do with it. I have nothing to gain from this. Uh, I obviously make money only if you take it from me. But you know what, I think you have a better shot at your price point if you just do this. Uh, and he actually did that and he actually got those tickets. And, you know, now he trusts my opinion. Uh, and, he, you know, when someone comes to him, he sort of recommends them to me, you know, like this guy, he won't lead you the wrong way. You know, in the end, yeah. he'd see what is the best experience. So I think putting that uh, is what's most important for me. And that's what sort of helps me build credibility uh, and the customer recall as well.
Do you think this, you know, referral system is enough to, to, to scale this business and, and help grow the business aggressively? Yes and no. I think referrals are always important. Uh, you know, so even if suppose uh, the next big step, obviously, in this sort of business is scale is corporates, right? Work with their business. But whenever you approach them, they need to sort of know your credibility as well. Uh, so how it works is through networking, I might have, you know, uh, helped one of the corporates, you know, individually, who I probably know personally or through other connects, you know, and then the service that they get, they sort of then pass on and say, yes, it's, you know, I vouch for it. It's credible. And that's how you sort of get your foot in the door. You know, I might work with, you know, provide someone something for their family, but the next time when the company is doing something, it sort of helps. Uh, I think in the long run, it is the most important way. I see a lot of competitors and I've heard such bad reviews from them within the industry as well. Just sort of, you know, uh, push whatever helps them make a margin, even if it, comp uh, you know, compromises on customer uh, value uh, or the customer experience. For me, even if it sort of sets me back a few dollars, I would not go down that way because in the long run, I think it's it's the value that will help you become an established company, uh, you know, and sort of give growth, long-term growth, and not just the immediate uh, two or three months or that particular project uh, where you make a quick buck, but then they're not going to come back to you. And and do you run Beanstalk alone, or uh, I mean, do you have a team of people uh, that you work with? No, it's primarily me. I do use uh, obviously some sort of external help with uh, filing my taxes and stuff like that. But otherwise, Beanstalk has been uh, primarily me, right from inception, design, uh, administration, marketing, invoicing. Uh, promotions, where you name it. You know, Nub and I starting this podcast, we didn't have a single clue on, on, on how to, you know, uh, work in some of the design aspects, some of the marketing aspects. So, I mean, was that a challenge for you, you know, building the business on your own end to end? It's obviously a challenge. I'm not going to say it's not a challenge, but when it's a challenge, yeah. you're up for, when it's a field you enjoy, it doesn't seem like a challenge. And I'm sure you guys yeah. are sort of finding out as well, right? Like, absolutely. As you, yeah. yeah. As you go along, you're enjoying looking for these. You're enjoying learning about, uh, you know, what it goes behind design, what goes behind a good social media plan. You enjoy exploring the different, even invoicing options, <laughs> as boring as it is. You sort of enjoy doing all of these things, uh, and which is where, honestly, without a challenge, is it even fun to do? Uh, that's the other question, right? Especially for people who are yeah. starting their own businesses. They're doing it because they want a challenge, don't they? Otherwise, most of us uh, probably are doing it, leaving other things. Like you guys are at uni. You have a lot of you know, university work that, that you have. You could easily just sit back, do that, enjoy your extracurricular, and do nothing. But it's because you enjoy this challenge that you're taking it up, right? So, so that's what makes it fun. It's been a challenge, but, you know, we also have a, a set of very talented people uh, that are helping us with, you know, all these aspects. But I completely agree that just being able to learn uh, from them on their various uh, expertise is, is definitely very interesting. So, yeah, another question I had was, given coronavirus and how the travel industry is changing, what do you think the future is not only for Beanstalk, but for the travel industry in general and what do you think is going to happen? 
Yeah, I think the travel industry is going to be very hit uh, for a while. And the challenge is going to be, uh, you know, the stakeholders being able to shift their focus. Uh, so I'm someone who, uh, you know, really likes uh, behavioral science. And there was this thing I was watching a few weeks ago. Uh, and he mentioned uh, in that talk that where airlines earlier would have been, or rather products or companies earlier would have been looking at how can I make this more streamlined or how can I make my services so efficient uh, where I am filling my flights uh, to 100% capacity and keeping quick rotations between these flights so you know uh, my crew is most efficiently used and stuff like that. We're now going to have to shift focus on how do I make customers feel safe again while traveling? Right? Because that's going to be the biggest one. It's no longer, you know, earlier it was, yes, people want to travel. How do I make it more efficient? I think we need to sort of take a step back and just see again, what can I do to make customers feel safe to travel again? And it's going to take a lot of stakeholders. It's going to take airlines. It's going to take tourism boards. It's going to take governments. It's going to take hotels. Uh, it's going to be take stadiums. It's going to take football clubs. It's going to take concert organizers, you know. It needs to be a unanimous work together to sort of make this industry safe, you know, uh, make this industry. Even now, I mean, you know, while people are still apprehensive about travel, there's still, you know, people still want to travel. That desire has not gone. Yeah. You still see, you know, in casual discussions, people are like, dude, I can't wait to be at Old Trafford again. Or, you know, I can't wait to be in Goa again. I can't wait to be on the beach again, right? We're still having That's these me. discussions, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the talk is not about the demand being there. The demand is still going to be there. It's about how do we bring the supply to them? How do we make, uh, you know, the supply attractive? Uh, so I think that's the main challenge that the travel industry is seeing now. Obviously, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, on the onset of 9-11 in the US, air travel didn't resume uh, to the same capacity as pre-9-11 for a good two years. You know, yeah. And that was just one place where safety was concerned that arguably is an easier step up in terms of you know, putting in procedures. Whereas this requires a lot more. You know, This is not just flights. Right. This is like, how do we get seventy-five thousand people into a stadium again? You know, or if we're starting with thirty thousand people, how do we make them feel safe again? So it's going to be a trying period, but I think it's going to take a lot of work with everyone involved. Uh, one of the things that I think is very important, and you know, I hope this you know this podcast reaches out to people in the government. You know, they need to make life easier, man. Uh, they need to make uh, even before COVID the tax structures in the Indian travel industry was so bad. Uh, it was laying a lot of onus on travel agents and it was just making it really, really difficult to function where I've seen a lot of other travel agencies had to shut down just because of the tax structures. Uh, you know, just making it very difficult to work, making it not competitive, uh, where buying international products was becoming easier from an international travel agent. Uh, you know, yeah. So the government and the tourism boards need to look into this and sort of help travel agents out with this as well, you know, support them, uh, help them get back into it because it is one of the industries that's, hit, that's been hit the worst. Is this something that worries you or, or are you optimistic? 
I'm optimistic. I am an eternal optimist. I have I always have been. I think each, every entrepreneur has to have some optimism in them, right? Yes, I'm also a realist and a pragmatist. But if you're not optimistic, you're you know you're not going to be a, a business runner. Honestly, uh, you have to be optimistic about things. You have to still be realistic. So while I am, you know, still keeping an eye out, still in touch with my suppliers, still in touch with uh, realities, I'm talking to the clubs, seeing what they're doing. Uh, I also know that it might be a while till it comes. So I am still, uh, you know, working on other avenues uh, to sort of get that income while this happens and things like that. But I think it will resume. Uh, travel is just something that's become a part essential part of lifestyle and culture uh, you know social media right now is you know all about travel it's it's become annoying but people can't tra- uh, you know do any you know if they haven't checked into an airport for three months on facebook i think it sort of gets to them uh, so i think it's just a mentality shift which has come into it and i think travel will pick up it's just uh, a lot of it is out of our hands as well obviously with vaccines and I obviously see procedures changing where, uh, you know, maybe now when you apply for visas, you need to apply with a COVID test, right? Or an antibodies test, uh, depending on what way that leads down. So there will be changes, uh, but I think procedures will come in, but uh, travel will happen. Security was increased, right? Earlier where people would go to the airport one hour before, they have to go say 90 minutes or two hours before because there's more security clearances and stuff like that. But that doesn't, that hasn't stopped people from traveling. Uh, so I think while it might be slow for a while, I'm optimistic about it in the long run. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I just flew uh, from New York to Dubai, just came back uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think things are improving in terms of the safety standards that are being taken uh, in the plane uh, before you fly, after you fly. So yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think this is... Um, it's definitely a blip, but I think that the world will adapt. Travel is a very essential part, especially in the target audience that Beanstalk is shooting for. So I'm optimistic for you as well, man. Thanks. <laughs> what are three key takeaways um, you you have for people that want to start their own business and uh, want to break away from the norm and, and do something of their own that they're passionate about? I think number one is patience. Uh, you know, when I started Beanstalk, obviously setting up the first five months, six months is very exciting. You're getting into something new, uh, right? The first couple of orders might fly out as well. Uh, but then there will be periods when there'll be lulls. And it's important to sort of be patient through that and just keep grinding away at your work. Just trust what you're doing. Obviously, uh, be realistic, uh, you know, see if you're doing anything wrong, uh, sort of assess your business assets. But if you do see that you're doing all the things right, it's important to just be patient and be consistent with your work. And sure enough, I've seen the optics after that. Uh, you know, it will come. Just keep doing the right thing. Keep plugging away. Be patient. It will come. Uh, the second one is sort of a little grim. Uh, you know, it might seem grim at first at least. Uh, but when I was leaving Mumbai CDFC and starting Beanstalk, uh, I was just having a chat with the CEO, uh, you know, handing in my letter and all of that. And he was... Uh, he was supportive of me, he mentioned, but he mentioned that, just remember that 95% of startups fail. And it might seem like, you know, he's him scaring me. Uh, it was actually pushing me, you know, letting me know that, you know, you have to keep pushing or 
the, there's more failures than success than those who su- succeeded, uh, right? So you have to be part of that five percent, and that sort of scare, you know, to remind yourself to keep going and be part of that upper five percent, I think is you know very very important to keep you going. You know, it helps you from becoming complacent. It helps you just sort of keep yourself in check. Uh, and the last thing that I uh, tell people is to be true to yourself and to, true to the company. Uh, be true to what the values you set to it. So, for example, if I've set the values of being customer service centric, there might be places where I can make a couple of quick bucks. But no, I need to stick to being, you know, what I've set out to be and uh, keep that image. You know, don't take the easy route out. Don't take that shortcut. Uh, sort of be true to yourself. And I think if you follow these three things, it will build a solid foundation uh, for your business. Great. Thank you, Karn. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Really, really appreciate you making the time. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed talking to you about the industry. Let's definitely stay in touch because I'm a huge United supporter and I'm definitely going to be reaching out to you for these United tickets. But yeah, thanks again, man. No, my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me on this. And, uh, you know, uh, big best of luck to you and Nub as well with this and with obviously anything else. And let's stay in touch, as you said. For sure. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.